The PKD Black Box is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. This is the PKD Black Box, episode 15. This episode of the PKD Black Box is brought to you by MyDigitalComics.com. At MyDigitalComics.com, you can download digital versions of comics such as PKD Media Presents Volume 1, Mercury and the Murder the Collected Edition, and Wasted Wonderland, along with an assortment of independent and up-and-coming publishers at reasonable prices. Your downloaded comics are non-DRM and transferable to any computer device you have handy. Look for more titles and publishers to arrive as time goes along. Prices start as low as 99 cents. That's MyDigitalComics.com. Welcome back to the PKD Black Box. I'm your host, Sean Pryor, a.k.a. Stan Leroy. As you heard in the beginning, the opening of the episode, um, the PKD Black Box is officially a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network now. I want to thank Ian Levenstein for handing the invitation to me, and I gladly accept it. Um, you know, as we try to get more listeners to check out the PKD Black Box and what we do and what we're all about. So mad props and thank you, Ian. I do appreciate it. Today's episode, we're going to have Donnie Salvo on the show as Donnie and I discuss comics and whatnot and some stuff, some stuff in between it because you know, as always, it is tradition on this show that we go into tangents, but it's a good time, please believe. Also, I do have some things that I want to talk to you about. I got a couple of reviews that I want to bring your way, so um, check them out. I have two reviews. Uh, one's a webcomic review and one's an original graphic novel review. And they actually both have something, you know, somewhat in common in the fact that they deal with black exploitation uh, themes. The first is a webcomic, actually the Internet's number one black exploitation comic called World of Hurt. Um, right now, the storyline in the World of Hurt is called The Thrill Seekers. Now, for those that don't know the World of Hurt, you can uh, read this comic by Jay Potts um, at worldofhurtonline.com and to give you a rundown of what world of hurt is all about i'll give you the 411 according to the world of hurt website uh the time or the um, era that world of hurt takes place is in the early 1970s and the place is point blanc a coastal city in central california named for the white cliffs and beaches that dot the northern peninsula of this bustling port city the durville district its toughest neighborhood rests across the harbor from point blanc's downtown financial heart connected by the lafayette bridge however the racial and economic divide between the two metropolitan areas is much larger and virtually impossible to cross now the main player in world of hurt is a gentleman, gentleman by the name of isaiah pastor hurt who, according to the website, is a tough, mysterious, stylish, and streetwise fixer. He can handle any problem you've got, if you're willing to pay the price. Pastor never asks for money, but as payment for his services, he demands two favors to be named later, each to be carried out at a time, place, and manner of his choosing. No questions asked. As the Thrill Seekers begins, he's investigating the disappearance of Alicia Patterson a bright young black woman from South Carolina. After graduating from a prestigious boarding school uh, in Point Blanc, Alicia had aspirations for higher education, which she was, ach which she was achieving 
due to her own hard work and family sacrifice. Unfortunately, those dreams became derailed by personal tragedy. Let me tell you something about this webcomic. First off, the artwork is beautiful. The artwork reminds me of the um, large size or large format comics that Marvel used to do, the old school black and white comics they used to do in the 70s, um, alongside their regular monthly comics. The artwork is just, it, it gives you a true feeling of the era that the story is taking place in. I mean, literally, you would think for, you would really think that this book was made or published by Marvel in the 70s, the way this webcomic looks. It is so well put together. It's so, um, you know, just visually well put together. Plenty of action, wonderful dialogue. It is a serious black exploitation comic. You know, it doesn't, you know, make fun of the genre per se. It just, it's a very serious story with um, solid action, solid dialogue, really well put together characters. You know, it's it's something in my mind, it's like something out of a Gordon Parks movie, a well put together Gordon Parks movie, but it's a webcomic on the internet. I got to give props to Jay Potts for doing this because, like I, as I said before, and I've already said it like five times already, the art is excellent, story is excellent. I really need you to check this out. It's called World of Hurt Online.com, the internet's number one black exploitation comic. Now, Moving on, there is also a um, original graphic novel by Ad House Books called Aphrodisiac by Jim Rugg and Brian Maruka. Now, let me tell you something about this book. It's a one-shot OGN, and <laughs> the story features a your hero called Aphrodisiac. And Aphrodisiac is a pimp um, who has a stable of ladies. And, and basically every single story, he goes through some type of adventure. He battles a villain by the name of the Shocker. He battles President Nixon, space aliens, the FBI, mega computers, the devil, Hercules, a giant cockroach, death, and Dracula. The intriguing thing about this book is this. It is not a your standard OGN where you have a beginning, middle, and end per se. It's various stories that just take place within the universe of aphrodisiac. And for a moment, like it just it caught me off guard because lately a lot of the OGNs I read or, you know, trade paperbacks I read, it's beginning, middle, end, beginning, middle, end, beginning, middle, end, where this is just various stories and moments across the board. You may have a moment where you finish reading a story and then after that, you might just like catch a page where somebody just cut a panel out of a random aphrodisiac comic that may or may not exist and then you turn the page and there's just another random panel for some reason. And it's funny stuff like there's a random panel where Aphrodisiac and President Nixon are in a wrestling match or they're about to wrestle. And the announcer's talking to Aphrodisiac and Aphrodisiac is just talking mad smack. And then you turn the page and there's just another random panel somewhere where Aphrodisiac is in Africa talking to a uh, talking to a lion who um, whose family had been uh, hit up by poachers. But then it goes back to a regular story. You know, a regular aphrodisiac story where he's battling some type of foe. The f <laughs> it's a very funny and satirical comic in the sense that it literally is, you know, taking black exploitation and, you know, making it not only comedic, but it's also very satirical in the sense that aphrodisiac is a hero, yet the man is a pimp. Okay. From where I'm from, <laughs> where I'm from and where I grew up, being a pimp was definitely uh, something that was not, you know, looked up upon. I mean, granted, in today's culture, stuff like pimps and things like that, in a lot of aspects, are looked upon in high regard. But, 
you know, to me to this day, that's something that's just not in high regard. You know what I mean? I mean, we've taken the word pimp and put it in a positive context, but <laughs> this book is just crazy. There are many things I like about this book. Um, the fact that um, this book flips through very many artistic styles. Um, Rug and, Mar and uh, Maruka were able to flip this book where there's some stories where you get a Steve Ditko vibe. There's some stories where you get a, you know, a Jack Kirby vibe. There's some stories where you get like the Skill Kane vibe. I mean, there's even a, you know, a page in the beginning of the book where it looks, you know, like it came from an Archie comic. And the, and the other thing that cracks me up about Aphrodisiac is that before every story starts, there's like a little text box up top that, you know, gives you the brief history of Aphrodisiac and how he came to be. Like the old school Marvel comics, you know, Peter Parker, when bit by a radioactive spider becomes Spider-Man. Well, with Aphrodisiac, every time an actual story starts, his history constant, his history has changed. And whether it be it's changed due to the change in times of, as to when the comic was released or whatever, the story just keeps changing. His history keeps changing. You know, I found that to be, I very, I found that to be very funny as well. Another cool thing about this book also is there are like just various covers, just random covers. After a story ends, you may have just various covers to Aphrodisiac comics that technically don't exist but could exist if they do a volume two. And some of those covers are reflective of old school Marvel covers from the uh, late 60s, early 70s. Some are reflective of Gold Key and Whitman Comics covers, you know, way back in the day. You know, there are some comics where when you read them, some are, you know, have that worn out feel. There's a cover where there's just a made, there's a cover that was made and, and it's been given this feel as if, you know, somebody had this comic for like 30 or 40 years and it's just kind of deteriorated um, or deteriorated. I can never pronounce that word correctly. But, you know, you can see that somebody wrote their name on the comic because it's, there's like you see the name Kareem on the side. And there are a lot of and there are a lot of pages that just look worn and torn to give it this classic old school comic feel. I really felt that was a nice touch for the book. Also, as I said before, there are just um, a lot of things in the book that you get to see, but they don't really happen in the story. There's a story, there's a cover where um, Aphrodisiac is fighting this kung fu menace known as Dragonfly, and this cover is dope, but that story is not in the book. I gotta have that Aphrodisiac versus Dragonfly story. Let's see, what else was there? There's plenty of sexual innuendo in this book. I mean, plenty. Um, the, the book is intended for mature audiences, but um, there's plenty of sexual innuendo in this book, which makes it quite funny. Um, cast, cast full of characters. Um, just, I thought it was a really good book altogether. I really did enjoy it for, for what it is. Now, the only thing I have issue with, and then maybe this is just me because I had no issues with anything. I was like, you know, the sexuality, the, uh, you know, and everything else. I had no problems with that. The only issue that I have is that the word nigga was used in the book. Now, granted, I know a lot of black exploitation movies in the 70s use that word like kids eat candy. So, you know, maybe I just took that too personal. But and it, it and maybe it did lend to the story. But, you know, maybe it's because I just have like personal issue anytime, you know. <sighs> I mean, I don't like using the word much. So maybe that's just me and maybe I should just let that go because I don't want that to detract from the actual book itself because I thought the book was fantastic. Um, it was just a very nice piece by Ad House. Um, Rug and Maruka did a great job on this book. So that aside, 
for the price is like fourteen ninety five retail. You can get, probably get it cheaper on InStockTrades.com or go through DCBService.com or Amazon. You need to cop a copy of this because it just isn't a black exploitation comic. It's also, I feel that it's also an art history comic as well. But that's just my take. So Peep World of Hurt at worldofhurtonline.com by Jay Potts, which is also intended for mature readers. And also Peep Aphrodisiac by Ad House Books by Jim Rugg and Brian Maruka. All right, got two announcements to make before we get to the meat of today's show. Uh, the first announcement is, is that starting next week, um, the PKD Black Box will officially be doing Super Show Month um, stuff on the podcast, meaning, you know, we still do what we do every week in and every week out, but we'll also have interviews with creators that will be at the CGS Super Show. So this month you will see or hear from artists like Jim Miller, a.k.a. Big Jim, um, creators like Zach Cruzy, artists such as Andy Jewett and artists um, Chad Ciccone and Andrew Charpar. So be on the lookout for that. Also, I would like to mention that PKD Media officially has a marketing director now. Jason Grice, who is the um, program director for the Lantern cast, has hopped on board uh, the PKD Media Group as we try to get the word out about our comics and spread our comics across the nation and possibly even across the world. Um, Jason has been very um, helpful, extremely positive gentleman. Um, he's really helped us out in the crunch over the past couple of months, and he really likes what we're trying to do. And I appreciate all of his efforts and everything that he is trying to do in getting the word spread out to um, <laughs> to others about PKD Media and everything we're trying to do with our comic books and whatnot. Also, next week's episode, I will tell you a little bit about two trade paperbacks we got coming out over the next two months, uh, some that will be I'm actually making their debut at the Super Show, and we're also going to have those available on the retail side over the next few months starting in April, so be on the lookout for that. Um, we're really trying to put our put our, our footmark <laughs> or make our mark um, in the comics world, so I hope you come along for the ride. Now, see, I haven't seen Book of Eli yet, Did you? but you said you saw it. Did you like it? Let's put it this way. It was well acted and well shot. I think the concept was better on paper. The story just wasn't for me. Okay. There was one part I, I laughed out loud because, uh, what's her name? Myla Kunis. Yeah, that, that lady. She, um, Denzel locks her in a door and then you in a room and you hear from the other side of the door, fuck you. And I was like, that's, how, that's Meg. Meg just told Denzel to go fuck himself. <laughs> that's awesome. that's what takes you out of the movie. It really does is is, is her voice because it's like that's Meg. But I still want to see it though. I just want to see Denzel whoop somebody's ass. I know there he is good. I, I know there aren't a lot of fight scenes. I I, I know that. But my thing is, um, I wish well, Denzel would have made more action movies. All the fight scenes are in the trailer. Damn, they got to stop doing that shit, man. They got to quit selling it all in the trailer. Tell me about it. What's that movie? There's a movie coming out, and I've talked about it with Matt Nay Idol's podcast. Talked about it. Um, I think it's called Inception. If, if, if yeah, that movie you know. scares me. But see, you don't know one thing. Nobody knows what the fuck that movie's about. Yeah, it scares me though. 
But I like that though. I, I you know, I'm tired of the, everybody selling me all the good stuff in the trailer. Dude, shit was folding and flipping and cur- nah, dude. <laughs> Movies aren't supposed to do shit like that. <laughs> the power of Chris Nolan and technology, anything is possible. Call me old-fashioned, but my movie's not supposed to bend. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I saw that, I was like, ooh, this looks cool. And I don't even know what this is about, but um, yeah, I'm down for it. Oh, snap. I'm sorry. I'm looking at the DC Nation blog. Uh-huh. The newest member of the Outsiders is the Eradicator, and he's dressed in Superman shit. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Didn't they do this before? Remember? I don't know. Not no. I don't know. Oh, but yes. Dan DiDio has either lost his goddamn mind because he's writing it now, dude. They put the Eradicator in the Outsiders years ago when they were trying to figure out what they were going to do with all these spare Superman. They, I swear, they put the Eradicator in the Outsiders. I just, I was just looking at some cover images and shit, and then it said, "Click here to see the spoiler alert for the new member of the Outsiders." And I was like. Say what? Because someone told me that they were actually changed the name to Superman and the Outsiders, uh-huh. and I was like, "No, that's stupid. I can't. I'll. I will drop that book like like nothing. If they do that shit." <laughs> he was in an issue of the Outsiders in 1993, but I don't know if he joined the team. That was the Baxter version, right? Um, Outsiders in 1993. Um, let's see. No. No, this was, well, then again, it was $2.25 in 95. It was $2.25. Huh. No, it, it doesn't say Baxter at all. It's yeah, well, around that time, though, they stopped, though, right? Right. Because then they canceled, the, the regular was Adventures of the Outsiders, and then they canceled it. I think so. Because I'm going to find, I want to find all those issues at cons and have them bound. Nice. Because that's just, the dude, they fought like the Duke of Earl. <laughs> I'm not making that up, dude. Oh, here we go. I was right. He did join the Outsiders. Eradicator, um, a.k.a. it says Dr. David Connor. He was in 16 issues from 94 to 95. So he's back. Why didn't they bring back the looker? I don't know. She's supposed to be like some kind of weird-ass vampire now. Really? Some shit like that. They had her. So I think it was in the uh, Batman, the Outsiders. Batman found her to ask her a question or some shit. And mm-hmm. She was all like crazy looking now. And I want, I want her and the team. Out of all the people to use... The ira- did they give him? Did they give him those cool mod shades again? Yep. No, they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they're kind of like modernized. They're like uh, you could see. It's like yellow, so you could see his eyes. Oh, so they but look like the same kind of style, though. They look like blue bo- blue blockers now. Yeah. Yeah. And it says Mar- Markovia is a safe haven for Kryptonians. Eradicator on the team. Has Geoforce gone mad? <laughs> What's up with Katana killing everything? You know what? And it's got what? Philip. It's got Philip Tan artwork. See, and I like Philip Tan. Oh, what do you think, Dan? Did he, what he did his Wednesday comics thing, man. He had uh, Jose Garcia Lopez on that shit, dude. He was He's like, he's like, they're gonna. Uh, I got a good, good, good artist there to put on my stories there, so they can read them there. <laughs> See, and it made me mad though on the Metal Men run because. The Metal Men the Metal Men in Wednesday Comics was beautiful to look at. It was so beautiful, I did not want to see dialogue. Yeah. It it killed me. It, it, I'm I'm serious. It was so beautiful. I did not need to see any dialogue, you know? I'm like just let me make up the story in my head. I just want to see this beautiful artwork. Well, they have a, the picture of it is the eradicator shaking uh 
Geoforce's hands, but he's he's dressed like the king, and uh, he he literally, dude, he looks like King Arthur. I mean, like King, not King Arthur, King Henry. He's he's just filled with like it's just awful. That's the only way I can describe it. <laughs> Everything looks fluffy. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm I'm still embarrassed that they that they got him in the cool Modi shades. It's it's 2010. We are damn near the Jetsons era. Wow, wow, West. <laughs> See, don't you start. Wow, wow, West. Okay, you need to stop right now. <laughs> I hope you're recording this shit. Oh, I am. Oh, good. <laughs> Please believe. Wait till I tell you about one of the books I'm going to bring up today. You know what? Let me get it right now because I'm just going to tell you about my first book. Hold on. Do it. Do it. Okay. My first book is The Ultimate Guide to G.I. Joe, 1982 to 1994, the second edition. This is an action figure guide to every G.I. Joe action figure ever made during the Hasbro, Hasbro run from 82 to 94. I love this book. What? It's Where'd the, you get this? Oh, um, Amazon gift cards up in the hizzle. Yeah, Amazon.com, my friend. It's, it's writing it down, writing it down. It, it, it's the ultimate guide to GI Joe, 1982 to 1994. It's the second edition. Don't get the first edition. The second edition has Duke and Cobra Commander on the front, and in the background is one of the Joe tank with the, the cat that drives the tank for for the Joes, and then there's a Cobra dude with one of the uh, eight, with one of the all terrain vehicles with the uh, rocket pack, with the rockets on it. Which tank guy was it? Steeler? I think it's Steeler. Yes. Yes, it is Steeler. Yes, it's it's the brown tank. It's it's the uh, well, I'm sorry, the, like the desert colored tank with uh, Steeler. This book was put together by Mark uh, Bellomo, and seriously, it's got every action figure, playset, um, weapons, and it has a listing. Like, say, for instance, if it's uh, it gives you a price list if something is mint, you know, never been opened in the box, never been opened, a uh, mint in box, or just um, you know, or if you just have it mint but you just don't have the box. So it gives you all type of grading conditions, nice pictures of like all the figures and the accessories. But I'm going to tell you something. I, there was a period of time toward the end of the G.I. Joe toy run where they literally just said, fuck it. Um, Raptor. No, 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 no. We're not going to talk about <laughs> go talk about Raptor and his genetically enhanced birds. <laughs> not they were falcons. <laughs> There's, there's on page 218, there is a, a Cobra Ninja called Night Creeper, okay? Night Creeper. Night Creeper, yes. He okay. inc- includes a crossbow, two swords, and a backpack. The crossbow is crazy because the crossbow is a standard crossbow, but it also has four arrows. It's like a five-arrow crossbow, okay? A five-arrow cross, crossbow. How does this work? It, it can't. This is, it just can't work. Even as a kid, I would have said, what, the, what in the hell is this? This makes no sense. You know, and the swords are cool looking. But here's the problem. The ninja is purple with gray pants with purple and silver camouflage marks. You know, he's got a purple mask with a, with, with a, silver, like, uh, with a silver hat and silver goggles. The side of his pants say hammer time. It might as well. <laughs> this fool is not stealth. I'm sorry. Now, even if you were like in darkness, I'm, 
I mean, it's just like this fluorescent, like silverish gray. I'm going to see you. That's how good of a ninja he was. He could dress like that. and You still didn't know he was there. No, it's, it's terrible. <laughs> it's, and he could shoot you five times with one trigger pull. I mean, dude, not even Johnny Quest had weapons that silly. <laughs> but, but check it out. It says like underneath the uh, description of the figure. The Night Creepers, with their prototype code names of Ghost Tigers, Brotherhood of the Were Tigers, and Ghost Dragons, were the high tech ninjas of Cobra Command. Provided here for the very first time in print is an excised paragraph from their prototype file card. We caught one of these Night Creepers in a steel deadfall trap. I wonder how. This is, it's, they're easy to catch because they're so freaking bright. Um, anyway. Um, before we could interrogate him, he willed himself into a coma, causing an electrochemical shunt that was wired into his central nervous system to auto-destruct all the weapons and equipment he was carrying. We suspect his gear included image intensifiers, radar deflectors, infrared dissipators, and holographic decoy projectors, all built into bulletproof armor panels. That's I, not, that doesn't even make sense. How does that happen? I, I don't know. I, I need to know who, who who designed this figure, man. But the thing is, because you know I love Joe. You know I love Joe, and I love these toys, man. You know, all this right. stuff. But this is ridiculous. I think starting like 1991 or 1992, they said, what bright colors are available that nobody's using right now? Get them. Because oh, all the figures, oh, it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And then and then there's a, um, I go back to the 1998 series. There's a picture of Hardball. Multi-shot grenader includes two-piece multi-shot grenade launcher and backpack. This fool has a baseball jersey on that says G.I. Joe, a blue baseball cap, and some khakis with a uh, military uh, pack on the side of his leg. Once again, even as a kid, this made no sense to me. Why am I giving away the fact that I'm part of G.I. Joe? Why do I need to tell the world that I'm part of G.I. Joe? I got to have a baseball jersey that says G.I. Joe on it. Maybe he's part of the softball team and didn't get a chance to change. I, I, I don't know. I, if I get called to action, no, that's just bad. <laughs> it's just bad. Um, let's see here. Hardball with the original uh, military occup occupational specialty of Blooper Man has, and the prototype code names of Thumper, High Pop, Line Drive, and Lob Shot. One, okay. All the baseball nicknames there, they Hardball, Thumper, High Pop, Line Drive, and Lob Shot. Where, where's a baseball uniform? Has the, name, has the file name Wilmer S. Duggleby, a play on Major General Abner Doubleday, the man who may or may not have invented baseball and was born in Cooperstown, New York, home of the Baseball Hall of Fame. And then there's one more figure I saw called Hit and Run. He's a light infantry man uh, for the Joe team. Pretty cool looking figure. It's all camouflage. It looks like a straight up military figure. And I laughed when I read what they posted here, and I shouldn't have laughed, but I did. Hit and Run, a pun on both the method in which his character was orphaned by a drunk driver. Shut up! <laughs> That's what it says! I'm not lying! That is what it says. Go ahead. Uh, no, that's all I wanted to say. That's all no, I you got there's no, I gotta find out the end of that story. You can't just okay. leave me hanging like that. Okay. And the technique with which he approaches his military occupational specialty was a popular action figure. His dark camouflage and realistic accessories, note the Colt model six thirty five submachine gun, made this toy a strong seller off of retail pegs. With the prototype code names of Night Raid and Rope Burn, Rope Burn. I want you to remember that. 
Um, <laughs> Hit and Run was also offered as a Target exclusive with an orange file card, a Halo parachute pack, and yeah, and a Halo parachute pack. Yes, Rope Burn. Let's see. We can call them Rope Burn. Or we can call them Hit and Run. Hit and Run. I'm not lying, man. You need to get this book. You I do. You have to get this book. It's it's you know it's decently priced. I think I got my see it's, it retails for twenty six ninety nine. I know I paid less for that. I mean I play I paid less for it, but it's worth it. Just make sure you get the second edition. Because is, there, is there a joke called date rape? No. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well be, man, with some of the stuff they put in here. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Um Oh God. Oh yeah, dude, I'm serious. I'm serious. You're gonna love this book though. Wait till you see some of the figures and some of the color schemes. I won't even talk about when they did uh, the whole uh, space stuff, Star Brigade. I won't even talk about S Star Brigade, and I won't talk about the uh, Street Fighter II Joe line that's in here, too. I want to know how much a Quick Kick figure is worth. Um, Let's see here. We have to find what year Quick Kick uh, came about. 85. 85? Okay, I'm going to go back. I'm to thinking. I'm just throwing it. That's right off the top of my head. Okay, Jinx was 87. Let's yeah, see. he was way before Jinx. Oh, a refrigerator pit mint and baggy is worth twenty six bucks. Wow, it's almost as much as the real refrigerator Perry. Oh. <laughs> I'm talking career wide. <laughs> Sheesh. I, I'm just playing with you. I'm in 1985 right now. I'm looking at the Cobra Ferret, Cobra Bunker, Checkpoint Alpha, Televipers, Tomax and Zamot. Let's see, Buzzer. Yeah, they were around that era. Tollbooth. The bridge layer driver. His accessories includes a sledgehammer. He looks That's like all you need, dude. Man, he looks like a bad member of the village people. Here we go. Quick kick. Silent weapons includes nunchucks, samurai sword, backpack, mint on card, fifty-five to seventy dollars. Um, really? Yeah. A uh, mint, mint in small baggie, uh, that which was a mail away, twenty twenty-five. And uh, if you have, say, for instance, it, it like just a loose figure. Uh, the retail version seven to twelve. Huh. Or you See, can or 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 you can go get Keel Hall. You forgot a, you forgot all about Keel Hall, didn't you? The damn sure did. What's a Keel Hall? Keel Keel Hall was an ad, admiral that was included with the USS flag. Oh well, all right. See, I didn't get that toy. Yeah, I didn't get it either. So you know, but if you got if you got quick kick men on card, it, it's worth some decent coin. That's crazy. But I'm telling you See, something. In okay. my opinion, that's when Joe was just going G.I. Joe was just making figures right then and there. That's See, when they were just like right there. That's when they started just making, just making shit for making shit. No, dude, no, no, no. It wasn't eighty five. It was after. I'll be honest with you, because I'm looking through this book and I've looked through it like four times in the past three days. It was around nineteen eighty seven that they went buck wild. <laughs> but this was the birth. <laughs> look at that! Look at that figure. Tell me what he has to do with the army. Look at him right now. Hey, man, Karate Kid was popular back then, man. <laughs> they needed some. They needed somebody. They, they they needed somebody. So they was just like, look, we got to pull in the Karate Kid crowd. We gonna come up with a dude called Quick Kick. He's barefoot. What used to crack me up when I watched the cartoons? They would be in all types of terrain, <laughs> and, and like they would be running like shooting Cobra. Quick Kick would come running by in the snow with the gun, shooting Cobra dudes with no shoes on. And no shirt on, too, right? Yeah. I'm like, I know you cold. I know you cold. Oh, used to irritate the piss out of me. <laughs> and I just like the fact that back then, anybody who knew any kind of martial arts got three Chinese stars whenever they, <laughs> if they were in G.I. Joe. Mm -hmm. that, Everybody. That, that was I mandatory. Took, I took karate three damn years. I didn't even get to see a Chinese star. <laughs> 
Oh man, wait till you see the, uh, this will be the last thing I talk about with this book. The nice thing about this book is, is that before they go into the next uh, series, they'll, it'll, it'll be like, you know, series one, series two, series three. Um, there's one series, uh, series 11, and they always start a series and they'll have like a display page with like a few figures and accessories. Nice display. I've went to series 11, 1992. Let me tell you something, the brightness of these colors on these action figures Mm. It is ridiculous. A ninja wearing some bright ass blue. The ninja looking like a fly girl. Uh, pretty much, and he's got three stars. He's got three Chinese stars on his uniform. It, I'm telling you, that was like that must have been a, a ninja rule it, it, back it, then. It is ridiculous. But I will, I will tell you this: I did not know that there were like so many different Roblox figures that were made back then. Roblox had about seven or eight figures over the years. You know, I never realized he was as popular as he was either. Yeah, I had no idea. Um, I think he actually has more figures than Stalker. But, um, but all this and no Big Lob. No Big Lob action figure. The brother from the G.I. Joe animated movie with the basketball jersey and basketball shorts? Yeah, no figure. So, um, but no, I digress. Once again, The Ultimate Guide to G.I. Joe, 1982 to 1994 by Mark Bellamo. Fantastic. You got to find out, is Rocky Balboa in there? No, Rocky Balboa is not in there. Rocky Balboa, they, they had a prototype, but it didn't work out, and so it, the figure never got made. I, I, that I did find out. Later on, they used that prototype and enhanced it for the Rambo action figure series, for the Rambo cartoon. How about uh, Sergeant Slaughter? He's in there, right? Oh, there are a few Sergeant Slaughters, sir. There's Actually, a few? There's a few. What's funny is is that when you mention Quick Kick in 1985, there's a picture of Quick Kick, and then right next to him in alphabetical order, Sergeant Slaughter. Nice. Yes, so there is a Sarge, yes. And they even have Sarge's vehicle in there, too. Oh, that's right. He had that... Uh, it looked like yeah. an like enhanced Yugo without windows, and it had two missiles. On the top, right? On the side. The missiles were on the top. side. But he had like this deep executive like leather Barca lounger in the vehicle. It was just weird looking. He's a big dude. Yeah, he was a big dude. The figure doesn't show that, though. The figure looks real real lanky. That's but, crazy. Yeah, man, but wait till you see some of this stuff, man, because it is just, some of this is ridiculous. That, that's awesome. So, yes, by all means, if, if you like Joe, if you like G.I. Joe and you like, you know, you collect the figures, even if you did have the figures and you, you know you want to get some, but, you know, you can't, you can't go back and, and reclaim and reclaim that stuff, just get this book. It's just as good. I want to. I want to come out right now and say I heard you on Matinee Idols. Uh huh. I love Matinee Idols. <laughs> it's it's a good show, isn't it? I'll tell you. And you know what? Ziggo wanted to do a GI Joe show with me. I said, you know, what? we gotta get Sean. No, no, you didn't. Yes, I did. Right? Matinee Idols comes up to Sean and says, "Sean, you want to do a show?" He's like, "Hell yeah!" Donnie's phone didn't ring. <laughs> Dude, I like movies. <laughs> My favorite part of going to movies is the trailers. Oh. You talked about trailers. I want to see Clash of the Titans. Matinee Idols is a real good show, though. If you like movies and you like movie talk, you like trailer talk, they'll even bring up talk about movies that you ain't seen in years. So definitely, yeah. def, definitely give them a go. They are on iTunes. You know, I plug their episode that, that I guest starred on on the Black Box podcast. I can't, you know, say enough good things about them. Because they're really wonderful people. It's a really good show. 
you should be down with it. And uh, Ziggo, he turned around. He's like, oh, you want to talk about the movie? I said, yeah. How about the movie, the comics, everything? He goes, well, I have to Netflix card. I forget how young this son of a bitch is. He said, <laughs> I have to Netflix the cartoons. Uh, youngins. I, re- I remember the days where when we had when the first G.I. Joe series came out and it took about a year, two years later, it showed up on VHS. <laughs> and you know, but it wasn't the episode separately. They like cut and they cut and chopped it up so they can make it like a movie. You had to go rent the video. You couldn't buy it. You had to rent it. Those were the days. Media limitations, sir. Media yep. limitations. So, what was this episode about anyway? We were going to talk about just books that we were reading, <laughs> and uh, you know, just rant, random books. It could be a comic. It could be. It could be whatever. It could be a movie that you just watched. What? Whatever's clever, man. But have you been reading something as of late? And if so, would you like to talk about it? Yeah, I just got done with uh, the latest Vertigo crime hmm. graphic novel called The Chill, written by Jason Starr and art by Mick Bertolorzini. You worked it through. I did. <laughs> <laughs> Sounded it out, just like my third grade teacher taught. This was a weird book, man. I would say it was actually more kind of science fiction or fantasy than it was crime but i guess there was cops in it so you could say that there was crime i guess if you have more than two cops it's crime can can we do that yeah we could do that okay but yeah it's basically about an uh irish legend druish sacrifices and immortality and lots of boobies these have actually all been pretty good the ones i've read so far is these like a series of single issues or are these like a series of trades no it's a series of hardcovers Oh, okay. They're digest-sized, hard, well, a little bigger than digest-sized hardcovers. They go for 20 bucks, but just about every time they get solicited through, you know, DCBS, they're usually like half price, so you get like a nice little hardcover for 10 bucks. Oh, very nice. Yeah, like, uh, let's see, the first one was a Brian Azzarello book, and it was called Filthy Rich. That was really good. Ian Rankin wrote Dark Entries, giggity, <laughs> which uh, was a uh, John Constantine story. All right. And it was pretty good. And the next one is The Bronx Kill by Peter Milligan. That's coming out in March. So I'll let you know next month. They're not they're not a bad deal. You know, like I check them out when, when they're solicited. If, if it looks like something that would catch my, my drift, you know. Now, are these um, crime, crime comics black and white, full color, grayscale? Black, black and white. Okay, that's cool. I, I, you know, I just like the fact that people still make black and white comics. And, and especially in for Vertigo, that keeps their prices low anyway. Right. But yeah, they get like actual prose authors too, well, except for Azarello, but they do get like actual prose authors. Mm-hmm. So Speaking this guy wrote a book called The Panic Attack. That's all I know. Okay. Yep. okay. <laughs> but I liked it. It was all right. Cool. Um, now, how big are those? Like, how many pages is it? Like 40, 60, 80? It is 188. 188 pages? Not, and that's all. And that's all visual. Yeah. Yep. Wow. That's really. Yeah. It's nice. no prose in it whatsoever. No. That's really yeah. nice. That's that's a good deal then. That that's a good deal, especially if the story's good. Yeah. That that's real real nice. So you go to a Barnes Noble, whatever. It's going to cost you twenty bucks. But if you go on DCBS, you could probably get it for ten, maybe twelve bucks. Well, cool. And it's uh, worth it. I'm writing it down then. Word. <laughs> You're going to get kicked out of this one. This is old school. This is some DC Earth 2 stuff from back in what? the day. Yes. I, long, about a year ago, I went to the Steel City Con. And not the one, not the show in December of 2009, but way, way, way before that. And there, were, there was a booth that had $5 trades. And there was a trade 
of the Huntress. It's called The Huntress, Dark Knight's Daughter. And it's all the Earth 2 stories, and these were backup stories and I can't remember what DC comic at this time. Wonder Woman. Um, hold on, let me see. Hold on. The stories in this volume were written over the following four years. The origin story came out as she debuted in All-Star. And then the other short stories were serialized in an anthology entitled Batman Family. Don't ask. And later as backups in Wonder Woman. Donnie is always on point. Ladies and gentlemen, Donnie Salvo, always on point. <laughs> he knows his old school comic shit. Please do not challenge this man. Do not question him. So in all, <laughs> in all seriousness, this book is great. And I'll tell you why it's great. The cover, the cover is by Brian Boland. And what's on the cover does not happen in the book whatsoever. Just classic old school stuff. It's got the Huntress. She's in her uniform. And there's Earth 2 Batman and Earth 2 Catwoman, like, you know, all scared and worried that she's about to go out and do something bad. But, you know, you get the origin of the Huntress and how she came to be. I'm just going to give a spoiler. Uh, what happened is, is that she is the daughter of Bruce Wayne and uh, Helena Wayne, uh, a.k.a. Catwoman. And Catwoman dies uh, during some type of battle. Selena Wayne. Well, it says, oh. Helena Wayne, Helena is, Wayne the- is the Huntress. I'm a dumbass. Rewind. Sorry. No, no, it's all right. See, that's why I got you. <laughs> I didn't mean. No, you keep me in check. No, and I appreciate so excited that. about Earth Two stuff. No, I, I don't know. I feel you because this is really good stuff. So let me let me let me <laughs> let me rewind that. She's the daughter of of Batman and Catwoman. Catwoman being being Selena Wayne. And what happens is that Catwoman dies in a tragic battle. Batman says, I can't do this anymore. I quit. And Helena decides to become the Huntress. Now, the dialogue in some aspects is corny. And even in the foreword in this book, I want to say it's Paul Levitz that did the foreword in this book. Uh, Paul Levitz apologizes for some of the dialogue. He says just due to the times. It was a different time. And that's why the dialogue is how it is. But I can read through that without any issues. What really kicks it off is the Joe Staten artwork, Bob Layton works because bob layton is the anchor for a majority of these uh, hunter stories for for um for joe staten the bob layton inks they make joe staten's artwork look great because i've never been the biggest fan of joe staten but bob layton's inks over staten's pencils make the art look fantastic i love the panel layouts i love the stories i love the color schemes just good stuff all in general if you can find it on the cheap grab it Retail-wise, it was $20. $20. I got it for $5. i am sure you can find it on Amazon for dirt cheap. Peep it. You got you to gotta get it. It's good reading. Good Earth Good Earth 2 old-school comic book reading. I think you dig it. Was there any Earth 2 Robin in there? I have seen Power Girl. They did mention Dick Grayson a couple of times. Blockbuster. The Joker. But I didn't. I can't recall seeing Robin up until the la- the next. Uh, I say a couple sto- a couple of stories toward the end. I saw Earth Two Robin. Because that that costume just cracks me up. Yeah, the Earth Two Robin is in the story with Huntress. It's called Together Again for the first time. And the first panel is Robin in in, in that in that Earth Two costume, which just looks crazy looking. Looks There's like- two of them. One looks absolutely horrible, and that's the one where he's wearing gray, and it's got the the bat wings and the and the yellow R in his chest. No, it's not that one. This is the one with like, you know, it's it's a full outfit with yellow with yellow leggings. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like his regular Robin kind of like, but but he's got like a Batman type of cape. Yeah, it, it's it's like a grown man version of a Robin outfit. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, man, this ain't really hidden. You know, like the bottom half of his outfit looks like the creeper, and the top half just it no, but. It's good, though. It's really Yellow cool. leggings. Yeah, that's what it looks like. But it, just, it just don't look right. 
seventies were a wild time. Yes, yeah, yes, they were, and they like and they like those bright colors too. You know, it's crazy if you look real close. He's got he's got aquarium bottoms to his boots too. I don't, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, actually, you know, if you got something else, go ahead and go ahead and hop to it while I try to find my other book. I basically just been catching up on uh, my Spider-Man reading. They're doing this whole gauntlet thing now where they're like kind of reinventing his old his rogues gallery, basically. Mm -hmm. And the first I think it was like a three or four issue arc was with Electro. It was okay. It was written by Mark Wade. Then they did a three issue, two or three issue with the Sandman. And I just got done with the Rhino today written by Joe Kelly and Joe Kelly can write himself some Spider-Man. Um, I'm telling but, you, that dude is great. Yeah, when you when you give him a character like Spider-Man, it's cool. I know he did some stuff on Superman during Infinite Crisis that I kind of dug. But he just has a voice for Peter Parker and for Spider-Man and the whole world around it, dude. He's just, I just, wow, very good stuff. But yeah, I got caught up on that. I'm in the middle of that Dark Horse Conan one shot. So far, so good, but it's it's heavy text. A lot of reading in that bad boy. You're, you. For three fifty, you're getting your money's worth. Let's put it that way. So is he like chopping up people while giving a dude? It's insane. There's heads flying. He sliced some dude's face, and there's a big old stream of blood coming up from the sword. I don't have the issue right in front of me. I wish I because it's written and drawn by the same dude, and it's it's absolutely so far so good. So what else you got? This is what I got. I have the Star Wars poster book. It's by Stephen J. Sansweet and Peter Vamur. This has literally, I'd say probably almost every poster ever made for any Star Wars movie or Star Wars property for the, for the six films. It talks about how they designed the first poster, how they, how they designed all the main posters, and how when um, they started putting together the very first Star Wars film, Episode Four how they had these promotional posters and it was a poster designed by Howard Chaikin. Originally they, they were just trying to sell the posters at conventions to make money for Star Wars because the movie the movie hadn't really been in production production it just really just really started in production. And they were selling for selling these posters for like a buck seventy five a piece. Chaikin artwork on it is off the hook because they have like a picture of the actual poster. Now these posters probably go from anywhere between five hundred to seven hundred dollars. Wow. But it talks about the design, all the different designs for all the original uh, original series posters. It even has um, you know stuff from you know episodes one through three. It also has posters from across the world. I'm telling you something, man. <laughs> there are some there are some countries when they do these Star Wars posters, man. Some of the b- most bizarre things you will ever see. Uh, example, let's see. Let me see if I can find one. I mean, they even have the Ewoks movies. The Ewok movie posters, they have those in here, including ones from Japan. Stop it. I'm, I'm telling the truth. No, here we you go. You're talking about, like, the Christmas special? The two Ewok movies that were on ABC where the, uh, one, like, the, the family crash landed on Endor, and they had to go through, th- through some special journey. And then, uh, the, and, uh. then, and then the second one where... They killed off the boy and the father in the first five minutes of the little girl, and the Ewoks had to go on that adventure to fight some type of witch or something. Yeah, those two movies. Don't ask me why I, why I remember those. Please don't ask. I just loved Star Wars a lot. I had to watch them. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not judging. I'm not Check. judging. Oh, no, it's all good. It's all good. 
Ewok Adventures, the cavern of courage in the battle for Endor. Yes, there you go. There's this, there's this poster from Poland. This is a Poland poster for Return of the Jedi. And it's a picture of Darth Vader, and it's like his vest. It's like, well, actually from the chest up. And Vader's head is exp- has exploded. That's the poster. It is bizarre. But, I mean, it's cool looking, but it's bizarre. But I'm like, did Lucas approve this poster? And I'm very proud of you, because anybody could have done an easy Polish joke there. I see. I behave myself, man. I'm trying to be good, man. Um, could have said, you know, the Polish poster for Return of the Jedi was the Wrath of Khan. See, no, I'm trying to be good. But you didn't. I, I didn't go the there. High road, and that was good. No, man, but I'm tell you what's really jacked up. <laughs> posters from Star Wars posters from Romania. Rom- Romania. Romania. <laughs> yeah, Romanians don't give a damn, dude. They like there was Empire Strikes Back poster. They took an Empire poster, photocopied it, and then like smacked this like big red box over the poster. That says, like, uh, it says, you know, Star Wars Empire Strikes Back, starring these people. The end. <laughs> I mean, dude, there are posters, there are posters, like, for, from overseas that have absolutely nothing to do with Star Wars, but they were trying to sell the film. So they make their own posters. Dude, there's a, there's a picture. This is the most abstract thing I've ever seen of some space aliens. I don't even know who these aliens are. And it's, like, done in chalk makes no sense and that and this is a russian poster a russian poster for star wars there's another russian poster that has like darth vader supposedly darth vader but darth vader looks like a cat he's got like a cat head and he's got like these little lightsaber little little lightsabers coming out of his head looking like candles it's the strangest thing i've ever seen i'm like who approved this but but then they have the good regular star wars posters and i mean it's some beautiful 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 artwork, beautiful posters to look at. And there's this one poster, it's actually my favorite. And this was one year after the original release of Star Wars. And there's a Star Wars cake. The poster is a Star Wars cake, and it has like all the original Star Wars figures around it. And it says, May the Force be with you. And underneath it says, One year old today. I love that poster. This is a really great book, though. If you can get paid, if you can look at, you'll laugh at some of the overseas posters, but this book is fantastic. The art, it's worth it for the artwork alone. And, and and honestly, it really helps me on from a design from a design standpoint when trying to design covers for our comic books. So this book is off the hook. Watch out now! Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. DCU in 2010, prepare, prepare for Teen Titans games. Are yes. you telling me when are they going to tell me when this is coming out or what? It's supposed to. The only thing I know is it's supposed to come out this year. That's all I know. It, that's it's, all they're telling us. That's supposed to be a Titan story that was that was I guess supposed to be published a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, and now it's going to be eighty page graphic novel. And that's all Perez art, right? Yep. Let's see. I can tell you that the, it's all the regular Titans from back then. It was Troya, Nightwing, Cyborg, Changeling, Danny Chase. Oh God, Danny Chase, <laughs> Jericho. <laughs> And Starfire and a number of others, but they're all they're all there. Nice, can consider that bought. Yeah, they're bringing back the Birds of Prey too. Gail Simone writing it. Thank we'll you. Do. There's some more money going. What's this about? Supposedly Grant Morrison's going to take over Wonder Woman. Oh, I didn't hear that. I, I don't know if that's true or not. And I've been trying to find that out. But supposedly Morrison's going to is going to take is going to do a run on Wonder Woman for a while. So I don't know if if he's taking over. Okay, he might. I know he he still got his uh, uh Bruce Wayne Reborn miniseries to write. I, oh. I mean, Turn of Bruce Wayne. Well, hey man, I am kind of excited for that for that Return of Bruce Wayne thing, just so I can see Pirate Batman. Oh, I like Barbarian Batman, dude. Did you see that one? No, I haven't seen that one. 
he's got a real batch head and his face is ripped through it and it's like it's crazy See, you know what, what would make that even cooler? Is if in that issue where Barbarian Batman shows up, Thundar and Ookla show up. Because <laughs> I love me some Thundar the Barbarian. It's one of the greatest cartoons ever. That oh, is, I know. That is Jack Kirby and Alex Toth greatness on screen. I love it. I'm just psyched that they're doing a new who's who. Yeah, I can't wait for that. That's going to rock. Issues. That Between is, that legacy, just sign my paycheck over to, to DC. <laughs> <laughs> and then they have that war of Superman coming up. Yeah, man. DC's going to be busy, man. Like I said, I can't keep up with this stuff anymore. I'm just like, you know what? I'll get it when I can get it. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's it's like, wow. It's just a lot of stuff. I mean, and don't get me wrong. I think it's great to have these choices. And and maybe and maybe if the if the if like as far as money wise, if things were a little bit better for for some readers, it, it would be one thing. But I think now more than ever, when you're dealing with the big two, people have to make decisions now more than ever. And that's why I don't understand why Marvel keeps coming out with these new series. And then they say, you know, we're going to give it a go. And then they end them after five issues. Like I talked about before, Dr. Voodoo, now Sword. And you can't have these start off at three ninety nine and then be two ninety nine from there on out. A series, can't, so a lot of these series can't build off of five issues. You got to let them grow. You know, but the market can't sustain it. If you want to introduce a new series, that's fine. But you can't have a gajillion freaking books and, ex- and expect this new series to just jump off out the gates at number one. It's not going to happen. Sorry, it's not going to happen. As much as I like Sword, even I know that doesn't have the power to be number one. Right. You got to let that build. So is there anything that you're looking forward to as far as like book-wise coming out over the next few months? You know what, dude? I'm going to have to get a house and remortgage it for what DC has coming up here with this. They got two bi-weekly series coming out and all this other stuff. The thing of it is, is it looks good, so I'm trying not... DC is just killing me. And then on the Marvel side, you hear they canceled all the all the Avengers titles after the siege? Yeah, I've heard about that, yes. So then I think that they're just going to have the one, you know? What if it has like a backup solo Avengers feature? Featuring Hawkeye. And do you think Hawkeye is going to be Hawkeye after this or is he going to be Ronin? I, I hope he's Hawkeye again. Don't get me wrong. I think the Ronin thing is cool. I would like for him to be Hawkeye again. Yeah, I could go with that. But yeah, I kind of I felt bad because I stopped buying the Avengers and I do miss it. And I was like, <laughs> well, I'll just get trades. Then I haven't. Well, so it's, it's, it's one of those things, man. You know, sometimes just things take, you know, take presence over other things. You know what I mean? You know, and it's not and it's not like you'll never be able to get that stuff again. Because one thing about Marvel, they will reprint something like nobody's business. <laughs> they damn sure will too. I mean, you'll trust me. You'll find it. I mean, you might, you know, you might walk down the street and trip over a copy. You'll find it. I'm trying to find uh, the other thing. Like DC was saying about all those of uh, the Red Circle characters, have you know, like the Shield and the Web and all that. Well, coming up, they're also going to bring in like the Fox. They might also do the Mighty Crusaders. That would be cool if they do the Mighty Crus- Crusaders. I, I I like this Red Circle stuff. The Hangman stuff is okay, but the Shield is fantastic. And the web is cool too. Inferno, yeah. Inferno is all right. It, it, it's kind of funny because I didn't mean to cut you off. I apologize for doing so. I just this, this hit me. Um, the shield and the web, straight up superhero telling, straight up superhero stories, a little bit of drama in between. Whereas right. they're trying to do something different with Inferno and Hangman. It's like Inferno is kind of like this combination. There used to be this old series on UPN called Nowhere Man. It's like a combination of Nowhere Man meets the Human Torch, and it's really inconsistent. 
the hangman after like that one shot the hangman is okay trying to get behind it but i'm not feeling it as much as i did that one shot but web and shield great yeah like i said i really do like what they did if um i like what they did with them they didn't make him like the captain america ripoff he was second wave of red circle of heroes is upon us the jaguar the comet the black hood mr justice and the fox and they made the fox look like a ninja dude <laughs> it's like a cross between the black panther and the white tiger mr justice just looks crazy he <laughs> i can't even describe it dude don't i'll, I'll look it up <laughs> don't you worry got like blue battle armor on with like an apocalypse kind of face and he's wearing like the longest scarf i've ever seen in my life so in other words, if you put them in a lineup with with uh, 1990s G.I. Joe figures, you wouldn't be able to tell who's who? <laughs> it's right. Oh, that's Absolutely. It. That's awesome. The Good. Comet's got a cool little costume, dude, and he's got like one of those uh, Speedwalker helmets on. You know what I'm talking about? The ones that cone in the back? Yeah, yeah. And it's see-through up top, so you can see his masked head. It's fun. <laughs> the Jaguar kind of looks like... Uh, what was that dude from Street Fighter? The green dude. Are you talking about Blanca? Yeah, yeah. He kind of looks like uh, if Blanca lost weight. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll think okay. I'll let that one go. Well, I think they're going to be like coat features. Okay. But, I mean, I like the fact how they're integrating like the web with Oracle and Batgirl have been in the web book lately, and Magog was in the Shield. Magog is kind of I don't know. I think that dude's a tool, but yeah, I don't like Magog either. I didn't it makes like, sense why he was in the book, though. <laughs> I, I just let it be. I'm like, you know what? I didn't like the character in Kingdom Come. I know it was like an analogy for all 90s superheroes with all the pouches and, you know, and all the brooding and all that stuff. I just, I just never felt him. And I, and I know Jeff Johns has a lot. He's using him for a reason. That reason I don't know at this time, you know, for placing him with JSA and all this other stuff. And he's got his own series. Yeah, I'm just like, eh, don't feel it. I'm just going to let it go. I can just concentrate my blurred rage on 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 brightly colored G.I. Joe action figures. <laughs> Neon ninjas. Neon ninjas, baby. Neon ninjas. You know, that that, that sounds like a, that. Yeah. Matter of fact, Neon Ninjas sounds like a new cartoon series on Cartoon Network right now. Let's do it. Neon Ninjas. They're bright and they know how to fight. Oh shit! <laughs> you think I'm I'm writing that shit down right now? Do it, do it. We gotta write stories. We gotta come up with characters. <laughs> you know, because see, this will be the project that we don't give a damn about. So yeah, it, it will make it's gonna wind up being bigger than the turtles, bitches. <laughs> now premiering after Chowder, Neon Ninjas. <laughs> after Ben Tim. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. That is awesome. And that concludes this week's PKD Black Box. The PKD Black Box is available via iTunes, or you can go to pkdmedia.com to get our show, check out our form, and read comics like Mercury and the Murd, XO one on the Rock Solid Steel Bots, Agents of Colt, and Luke Foster's The Gang from the Store, six days a week for free. And if you're on iTunes or our forum board, drop us a line or email us at blackbox at pkdmedia.com. Thanks again for listening. Until then, dream big and hustle hard.